Issue 37 of The Blizzard is out now. Our latest edition features an exclusive interview with the disgraced former FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, Mark Sanderson on the brief glory of Matt Letizia's favourite teammate, Ronnie Eakland, and Tim Walters questions football's environmental impact. All of this and lots more is available for just £12 or subscribe today for just £20 a year. From the pages of the Blizzard, the Football Quarterly, a look through the archives where we bring you some of our favourite articles to have appeared in the magazine since we first began in 2011. In episode 128, we feature Not Always Him by Hugh Davis, first published in The School Sliding Doors in June 2020. 9320 has become a pillar of Manchester City's brand, giving its name to a documentary, a podcast, a hospitality lounge and limitless merchandise. 9320 was the time on the match clock when Sergio Aguero scored against QPR on the 13th of May 2012 to secure City's first top flight title in 44 years. It was the moment they avoided doing a city, the moment they ended decades of self-destruction and underachievement, the moment their £35 million striker shoved out of foot and stopped those sliding doors from closing. Yet, Manchester City's true sliding doors moment came on 93-19. On 93-19, Aguero is fouled by the QPR defender Taiyi Taiwo. He's clipped. There's contact. He has every right to go down. But Aguero, with that poise and single-mindlessness of a great goalscorer, rides the challenge and, without looking up, powers the ball past Paddy Kenny. What if Aguero had followed the instinct of so many strikers and gone to ground instead? There are infinite alternative universes branching from this second. In our world, Aguero stays on his feet and scores surely the most pivotal goal of 21st century English football. In another timeline, he stays on his feet only to skew the ball wide or straight at Kenny, triggering all manner of inquests from do City lack a winning mentality to was Aguero too honest and inevitably do we need VAR? One moment, one decision, creates a Russian doll of Pandora's boxes. But let's imagine that this first step in this flowchart takes us another way. Aguero falls under the challenge and Mike Dean, who else, awards the penalty. There is no universe in which Mike Dean does not award the penalty. After a long delay, up steps Mario Balotelli. Unquestionably, it is Balotelli denied what would have been his first and last assist in 70 Premier League appearances who is on spot kick duty. Why always him? Because the Italian is City's designated penalty taker, always getting the nod ahead of excellent practitioners such as Yaya Torre, James Milner and Aguero, and boasting a record of 5 from 5 already in 2011-12, including a similarly high-stakes strike in the January rain against Tottenham, also deep into stoppage time, also with the score poised at 2-2. As it happens, Balotelli is the character such an occasion demands too. The 21-year-old's second season in England has been eventful. In October, he set part of his house alight by letting off fireworks in his bathroom before celebrating a world-taking goal in the next day's Manchester derby, a derby that City would win 6-1 at Old Trafford, by lifting his shirt to reveal a message that read, Why always me? In November, he was sent off within 20 minutes of appearing as a second-half substitute at Anfield. In December, he shrugs in a goal against Norwich, 
And in January, that season-defining penalty against Spurs came after Balotelli had avoided immediate punishment for stamping on Scott Parker. In fact, it's a surprise that Balotelli is even on the pitch to face QPR. A red card against Arsenal in April, bringing his third suspension of the campaign and his fifth in England, had prompted an exasperated Roberto Mancini to say, we have six games left and he will not play. And he didn't. At least until Mancini needed two goals in the season's final 15 minutes. Yet Balotelli has also shown his elusive genius more than once, and Mancini knows he won't be cowed by the enormousness of this occasion. Maybe Balotelli will dwarf the moment itself, even. There's no shortage of football fans who remember City's crushing 6-1 derby win earlier in the season, as the Why Always Me game, even though it has represented so much more. It was Manchester United's heaviest home defeat since 1955, featured the most goals they conceded in a match at Old Trafford since 1930, and the emphatic scoreline would ultimately decide the title in City's favour months down the line. But the chosen image from that historic clash is, well, always him. If this penalty were to end up in the QPR net, Balotelli could, even unintentionally, find a way to overshadow his club finally becoming champions of England. Or, God forbid, he doesn't score. Balotelli is already at the apparent height of his fame and infamy, and such a pantomime villain that his likeness embodied a towering effigy for a Guy Fawkes night bonfire. What happens if he then misses perhaps the biggest penalty in English football history? The striker's Why Always Me shirt hit back, at a media he perceived as obsessively critical. The fallout from this miss would be greater, and probably uglier. And while he might well be cast as a lone sinner, Balotelli wouldn't be alone in facing the flak. Certainly from the stands to the pitch to the ballroom, any club would suffer psychologically from the blow of such an avoidable last gasp failure. Not so much falling at the final hurdle as tripping on a shoelace and landing face first an inch short at the finish line. For Manchester City, however, getting over the trauma could be uniquely, even impossibly hard. The way in which City have since doubled their all-time haul of major trophies within just eight years makes it easy to forget the inferiority complex that surrounded the club for such an extended period. Their history is steeped in anticlimax and farce. Typical City was the phrase, or as their own manager Joe Roll called it, Cityitis. Up until 13th of May 2012, everyone remembered that this was the club whose fans had watched David Pleats gallop across the main row pitch as his Luton side sent City down in 1983. Watched their own team somehow succeed in time-wasting their own way to relegation in 1996. Watched City try their hardest to lose a third-tier playoff final in 99 four days after their cross-city rivals had lifted the European Cup. In his book, Manchester City Ruined My Life, Colin Schindler, author, historian and City fan, wrote, Cityitis is not a bacterial infection that can be cured by the antibiotics of running the club in a professional manner with a winning mentality. Cityitis is a vitamin deficiency that we are born with. That deficiency was laid bare for all to see as Mancini's City laboured against QPR. The clock ticks round, David Conn recalled in Richer Than God, and this Manchester City of superstars seemed to shed layers of skin and discover the old city lurking within them. Balotelli was City's expensive young talent who was just as preternaturally predisposed as his employers to shooting himself in the foot, possibly with a firework. If he were to miss the penalty that could define the club's future, not its past, 
This would confirm what everyone knew already. That whatever fineries they wore, Manchester City would always do this to themselves. Typical City. Nobody, wrote Con, would ever forget the Sheikh's expensively bought club chokes like this. Least of all Manchester City themselves. What then is the outcome? What happens when Mario Balotelli, with the eyes of those at the Etihad, the Stadium of Light, where Manchester United have won, and sit top of the Premier League table as it stands, and the rest of the world on him, saunters forward to take a penalty that, one way or another, will change English football forever. The waiting is intolerable, and not just in Manchester. As it had in our universe, the final whistle sounded in Sunderland, while Manchester City were in their half, building the attack that led to Taiwo's foul on Aguero. But instead of the news of a goal reaching the Manchester United fans and backroom staff within seconds, before filtering through to the players and Sir Alex Ferguson, the news is instead, there's a penalty. Celebrations end immediately. Abandoning their applause for the travelling supporters who are no longer watching them anyway, Manchester United's hitherto happy players run from the Stadium of Light pitch to the touchline, searching for a screen to enlighten them. United and Sunderland fans alike are refreshing live feeds or huddling around a stranger with Sky Sports on their phone or searching for information from Twitter, from friends, from anyone. But this competing desperation for bandwidth means nothing will load. No one can get through. The rumours begin. There's been a pitch invasion at the Etihad. Balotelli and Aguero are arguing over who will take the penalty. City have scored. City have missed. Each rumour spreads becomes distorted, then falls to the floor beside the discarded programmes and empty crisp packets. Not a soul can hear the announcer on the PA system. Something must be happening by now. Something must happen. Balotelli steps up, and another set of sliding doors begins to close. If you enjoyed this then make sure you subscribe and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice also follow us on twitter at blizzard that's at b l z r d that's the best place to keep up to date with all things blizzard between each issue thanks for listening and farewell